Hello, and welcome to our first bonus episode in Martial Arts Movie May of uh, Dinner and a Show. I am your host, as always, Tom Bland. Uh, today, what I have for you guys is a local place called Pita Pit, and the, well, it's not a movie, but the martial arts series in question is going to be the TV show Warrior. Uh, we'll start off with the food, like usual. Uh, Pita Pit is not technically limited to just the Syracuse, New York area, but they are a local kind of New York, Pennsylvania-ish thing. I think there's only seven restaurants total, so it's not really like a big chain. Um, I did Pita Pit because I have been trying to, you know, get in shape and lose weight, and Pita Pit's a pretty healthy alternative for fast food. Um, they have a lot of variety. You can do either uh, traditional white pita, wheat pita, um... They've got chicken breast, uh, bacon, steak, ham, tuna, a whole bunch of fillings for the pita, and then there's you know lettuce, tomato, I think they even do hummus and stuff inside of it, uh, and it is delicious. And I think a pita, a regular size pita for them is only about $9, so it's not even that pricey. Uh, they're up around Marshall Street up here in the Syracuse area, right near uh, the SU campus, so a lot of college kids go there. It's the restaurant itself isn't all that large. It's just pretty much, uh, you go in, there's, I think, like, four or five tables, and then they've got the, uh, the grills where they make everything right in front of you, nice and fresh. Uh, it's, you're in, you're out, you're on the move, because, you know, most of their clients are college kids who gotta hustle from one building to another or something. Uh, I went with chicken suvaki, uh, and lettuce tomato in my wheat pita, and it was delicious. Uh, I can't remember when I decided to try the chicken suvaki instead of the regular chicken breast, but I have never gone back because it is so tasty. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you're ever in the, the, the Syracuse area and you want something that's a healthier munch on, then, uh, you know, grabbing a burger or some fast food pizza, then Pita Pit is definitely the way to go. Uh, Alright, so this episode's probably going to be a little shorter because uh, I am flying solo today and I'm only reviewing the first episode of Warrior which felt like it was probably still longer than an hour so I don't know we'll see how long we get here uh, but Warrior was based around a script that Bruce Lee was shopping around in 1971 he was trying to get Paramount and Warner Bros in on it and neither of them were all that interested so it never really materialized uh, allegedly I think it was Warner Bros took the idea that Bruce Lee had pitched, which was a martial artist would be wandering kind of the Old West, and they created the show Kung Fu, which starred David Carradine, and uh, Bruce didn't get any of the credit for that, and it took, God, 1971, so 44 years? In 2015 is when uh, Perfect Storm Entertainment and his surviving daughter Sharon Lee announced that they were going to be bringing the series to uh, Cinemax and that Justin Lin, who I'm sure most people will know from a bunch of the Fast and the Furious movies, I think he just returned to do Fast 9, uh, was going to serve as, I think, the showrunner. Uh, so we finally got the first season uh, in, I want to say, 2017. And it just finished airing not too long ago and Cinemax announced that it was going to be renewed for a second season. Um, so the show picks up. We are in 1878 San Francisco. We see uh, a young Chinese man on a ship staring at a picture of a woman. 
Uh, he gets off the ship, and he is thrust right into uh, you know, the bright sunlight, and he's moving along with everyone else in the, in the line, getting off the boat through immigration. You see off to the side, there's a fence with Irish protesters who are, you know, against the Chinese coming in to take their jobs. And, um, you know, with the Chinese, they, the, they don't speak English, the vast majority of them, so they don't have no idea what's going on. I'm sure they get the sentiment, though, is not very positive. Um, so as we get to the actual going through the immigration portion, we see that the immigration officers are making racial slurs and, you know, all these derogatory comments about the smell of the Chinese and how they look and yada yada. Uh, and we see, though, that the main character who we uh, was looking at that photograph, Assam, he does speak English. He understands it. He can speak it. And when one officer really starts to go off on this guy and starts pushing him around and shoving him, Assam gets up in his face, and the guy slaps him, and says, you know, uh, what does he say? I can't remember what he said. He says something, and when Assam doesn't answer him, he slaps him and says, well, you, you know, this guy better answer me, I'm going to mess him up. And Assam says, I wouldn't do that again if I were you. And, you know, the three immigration officers are shocked, you know, he speaks English, oh my god. And uh, one of them's like, oh, come on, say something again, say something again. <laughs> and he says, you know, I didn't cross an ocean of, in a... In a rickety wooden boat to impress a bunch of white fat fucks <laughs> and they're all shocked and the you know the head the head dick bag kind of goes well you think just because you can speak american you can talk shit to me and assam thinks about it for a second and goes well you have to admit it helps so this finally you know it's the last straw for these three guys and they you know pick a fight with him and he just demolishes them instantly just blows the room like they're not even there and uh uh, Wang Cho, who is kind of like the spokesperson for the new arrivals, and he works with a lot of the local Chinese gangs that these guys are going to wind up working for, sees this and takes note that he could probably actually find this guy a job within the the Asian uh, Tong is what they call the gangs. Uh, so he takes him to the hopway and says, this guy is a fighter. He just blew through these three immigration guys like they weren't even there. Really skilled. You guys could probably use him. So they, uh, they give him some money for, for Assam and basically bring him before Father June, who is the head of the Tong. And Father June is big hard ass. Uh, you know, Assam goes to leave, but he didn't bow, so Father June calls him back, chews him out, and says, you know, you, when somebody walks away from me, they better bow before they do it. So one of the guys takes him away uh, Assam away and shows him like where he's going to be staying and Assam asks the guy man does he always have a stick up his ass he goes yeah I would but I'd watch your mouth if I were you that's my dad and Assam's like oh, oh my god you know I, I didn't mean anything by it I it was just, just a joke and then the guy laughs and says I'm just messing with you no he really is my dad but you know I don't really care <laughs> he, he gets that he's a hard ass he warns Assam like he's no joke back in the uh, uh, British Chinese uh, scuffles he massacred once an entire British crew with nothing but a sword by himself so you know definitely don't screw around with him um, let's see uh, oh before that I forgot to mention so one of my favorite things the series does is when uh, Wang Chao brings Assam to uh, the Hopboy guys uh, they're all speaking Chinese and then the camera wraps around the three guys speaking and it just cuts into English 
and it's very clear that they're all still speaking Chinese, but just for us as the viewer, we're now hearing it as English, and I really like that. It was, I thought, a cool little cinematic trick and a way to get around the whole, most of the show would have to be in subtitles, or not most of, there's a fair amount of English-speaking characters, but but a, a very large chunk of the show would have to be subtitled, which wouldn't bother me all that much, but I'm sure there's a lot of people who would kind of get turned off by a show where they had to do a lot of reading. Um, so then we cut to a scene where uh, there's a cop on patrol in Chinatown, and he sees a Chinese guy stumble out of an alley begging for help. He can't understand what, but he, he sees that the guy's been stabbed and uh, you know he's got blood all over him. And he turns into the alley where the guy stumbled out of, and he sees two guys with hammers just beating two Chinese guys to death. And, you know, he yells them to stop, and when they come at him, he takes them out with, like, nightstick and just drops them both. And that was kind of a one-off scene, and I figured that would probably come back later, which it sure does. Um, we cut then to a married couple who are very clearly not happy with each other. Uh, the wife is very cold towards the husband. We soon find out that the husband is the mayor of San Francisco when an aide comes in and tells him about the murders that took place last night in Chinatown. And the mayor is very distressed by this, not because that three Chinese men were killed, but because they were workers for a local construction mogul by the name of Merriweather, and he's going to be mad that he lost workers, so he's going to try to, you know, calm this down before it gets too out of hand. So he gets to his office, hoping that he can kind of get ahead of this before anything happens, but Merriweather's already waiting for him, and, you know, Mary gets in there, and Merriweather demands, you know, you promised me protection, I lost three skilled bricklayers, you know, you're going to have to do something about this, or you're going to have a lot of trouble in your re-election campaign. So the mayor concedes and decides to form a Chinatown squad of uh, five police officers to just, that's their whole job, is to just patrol Chinatown. Uh, we get to then see um, a Big Bill O'Hara, who is one of the cops who currently patrols Chinatown and is like a veteran of that area. He knows the ins and outs, he knows who you to talk to for information, who to avoid. And he finds out that he is getting a promotion to sergeant and that he is going to be heading up this squad. He's pretty unhappy about this. He was told he'd be out of Chinatown by year's end and not the case anymore. So he gets four guys assigned to him and he looks at the list and says, all right, you can't give me this guy because this guy's an opium addict, oh, an opium addict and you're going to put him in Chinatown? That's just asking for a disaster. So his boss tells him, fine, you know, uh, you take the other three and pick a fourth and you know bill stump gets out of his office just screaming about how this is bullshit and his boss even agrees with him <laughs> um then we cut back to assam who is currently going through i don't know what the kung fu equivalent of would be it's a kata is what i you know we called it in karate of just you know practicing the movements and keeping yourself sharp and uh, young June, the son of Father June, comes in and tells him that uh, they're going to start working him tomorrow, or it's time to start working him. And he, you know, informs him of the situation that the Hopway, like, bring in all the molasses import that you need to make opium. And they ran into some trouble a couple years ago, and they lost their supplier in China. And the rival gang, the Long Z, moved in with cheaper prices and started taking their trade away from them. So they're gonna have to teach these guys a lesson. 
And Assam kind of like, yeah, yeah, sure, that sounds great, that sounds great. And uh, he's looking around, he goes, notice there's uh, pretty much just only guys around here. Uh, where are all the women? You know, because he's clearly looking for somebody, who, whoever that photograph was about. And young June says, oh, I thought you'd never ask. And he brings him to the local brothel, which is run by uh, Atoy. And, you know, uh, Assam's looking around, he doesn't recognize her. So he asks Atoy if, if anyone by the name of Xiao Qin has come through. And she's like, nope, never heard of it, but why don't you take this girl instead? So Young Jun goes off with his, uh, his uh, hooker, and Assam takes his. And we see that one of the uh, other brothel workers has taken note of the name that Assam is asking for, and she kind of walks off to go inform somebody. We then cut back later to in the middle of having sex with the, his hooker, these four guys bust into the room and take Young Jun, and they start dragging him downstairs, uh, asking him if he's the one who was asking about Jiao Qin. Assam comes out of his room and says, nope, that was me. And they say, well, I guess you're coming with us. And then he just kicks the crap out of these guys. Uh, he just smacks them all around. And he has a lot of, like, Bruce Lee-isms in his fight mannerisms. Not like his actual move. Well, a little bit in his actual moves. But just, like, the way he, like, he kind of bounces around before the fight. And, uh, like, the, the flick in the nose thing and everything. He, it's very clear that they wanted to pay homage to Bruce Lee with the character of Assam. And the soundtrack also is really cool. It's, like, this weird mix of, like, old-school Western with hip-hop beats in it which kind of gave me, like, Samurai Champloo vibes, if anybody's ever seen that. Great show, if you haven't. So, yeah, he smacks these guys around, destroys them. They all pull out axes afterwards and go at him again. Doesn't go much better. He kicks the crap out of him, breaks a couple legs and arms, just leaves them laying. Um, after this, we cut back to Bill, who is in the middle of the police briefing room, uh, informing them that the Chinatown squad is happening. He names off the three guys who are going to go with him. They're all furious. I think one guy calls it like a den of iniquity and, and sin, and Bill just stares at him like deadpan and says, well, all I'm asking you to do is patrol it, not fuck it, so you'll be fine. <laughs> and uh, he says he has a fourth spot, and he needs it to be filled. And if anybody wants to volunteer, and we see a hand go up, and it is the cop who busted up that those two guys in the alley earlier who you know murdered the Chinese guys and we learn his name is Richard Lee he's from Savannah Georgia and he's only been on the job about six weeks and he volunteers and one of the cops is very unhappy when he finds out he's gonna be working with someone from Georgia you know because he fought with, for the Union in the, the Civil War and he's all up in Lee's face screaming a whole bunch of nonsense and Lee just calmly looks back at him and says, you know, there's really nothing to be gained from beating up a drunk man, but don't you worry, one of these days you'll be sober. And they, they get into a kind of a pushing match before they get pulled apart, and it's it's very clear that this, this Chinatown squad is kind of off on a very rocky start to begin with. Um, then we see, where are we here? Gotta look through my notes. Oh, uh, we go, cut to uh, Bill taking uh, Richard on a walkthrough of Chinatown and uh, we see that Bill is familiar with Wang Chao, the guy who took Assam to the hopway. 
and they go through a couple back alleys, and they get led to a room where Wang Chao has some weapons for them. He's got some blackjacks, some knives and sheaths, uh, some brass knuckles for Bill, and Richard is very confused. He says, "We, you know, we've got service revolvers, and uh, Bill tells him, you know, six bullets for each of us, 25,000 Chinese, do the math. And Richard's like, but this, this guy supplies weapons to, you know, the Tongs. Why, why are we arresting him? And Bill just kind of looks at him and goes, kid, you gotta forget everything you know. This is Chinatown, it's different here. You know, this whole black and white view of how the world works ain't gonna do it here. Um, we see that the two guys who murdered um, the Chinese have been bailed out by Dylan Leary. And Dylan Leary is uh, the kind of the head of the Irish movement in San Francisco. He is also a Civil War vet. He fought for the North. Um, he is now kind of the one who's the rabble-rouser against the Chinese becoming into America. And he is also got Bill in his pocket, because we later learn that Bill has some gambling problems, and that Leary kind of has that hanging over him, and is using that to influence bill in order to keep richard from testifying at the, at the two guys who committed the murders uh in the middle of their conversation though some guy comes over and tells leary that you know he wants uh that there's a guy in the bar who wants to fight him so leary looks back at bill and says i don't care what you got to do you keep that guy from testifying because if he does it's going to be bad for him and it's going to be bad for you and then we cut to the outside where leary and this huge dude are just brawling in the rain and this was nice because we the two fights we gotten so far were very you know martial arty kung fu skilled types of, of fighting and this was more like leary and, and the other guy were clearly like they knew what they were doing it was boxing as opposed to like kung fu but it was a nice just you know big haymakers and these two big dudes just beating the bejesus out of each other in the rain very cinematic looking it was great so uh, we watched Leary beat the crap out of this guy, so we know that you know he's clearly not a slouch when it comes to the fighting department either. And I'm waiting for the inevitable fight between him and Assam. That should be a fun contrast of, of styles. Um, and but throughout the whole episode, though, Assam has been looking for clues to Xiao Qin. And when he's out on collection duty one day with Young Jun, he sees guys from the rival gang, the Longzi, and he kind of accidentally stumbles upon their headquarters but young june catches up to him and says whoa, whoa, whoa what do you know what do you know like this is that's their territory we don't go there you know if you want to kick off a whole big war between the two factions that's where you go and he's like oh okay sorry my bad not gonna happen again won't go back uh of course that's complete crap he <laughs> he goes back very quickly the next night and he goes up to the front of the place where there's the four guys he beat the crap out of at the brothel and he says, I'm here to see Xiao Chen. And they all kind of look at each other, and they escort him inside, and he's sitting there. And while he's waiting, another guy comes around the corner, and it is Joe Talsim, who uh, some people might know from The Raid. Uh, he played, uh, I forget the character, Sergeant Jaka, I think was his character in The Raid. A uh, phenomenally talented martial artist. Uh, he was also in Fast Furious 7 as one of... Um, was it seven or six? Or was it eight? I don't remember. Those three movies I, I have trouble plotting. He was in a Fast and the Furious movie. <laughs> I think it was six, now that I think about it. Yeah, it was six. Because uh, that was the one with the tank on the bridge. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, 
And he comes in and he's asking Assam, you know, why are you looking for Zhao Qin? And Assam's like, well, I'll tell her when I find her. And he goes, listen, you know, tell me what you're here for or it's not going to end well for you. And Assam's like, are you kidding me? You saw what I did to your four guys? You, you think anyone's really going to stop me? So he kind of motions for Assam to like, all right, let's see how good you really are. And Assam kind of rolls his eyes like, oh boy, here we go. I'm just going to, you know, destroy you until you get what I want. But once they start fighting, it's actually much more even. And then towards the end of the fight, uh, it's even more in the case of Joe Talsim's character is winning the fight. And it's it's really cool. I'm not sure, because I, I don't know a ton about uh, Kung Fu styles, but it was a nice contrast because uh, Assam's style is very, like, strike first, fast, and... and like all these spinning head kicks and cool stuff and Talsim's style was more like absorb the blows let them roll off you and then just short direct strikes to like bicep and and thigh and like crippling your opponent and it was really interesting to watch and I I like that contrast of styles and I I doubt this is the last fight we'll get between the two of them I hope we get more um and then midway through the fight we hear someone yell out to stop and you look up the banister and you see it's Xiao Chen um she tells everyone in the room to leave and she comes down the stairs and Assam is you know overjoyed that he's finally found her he tells her that she can come home uh what was the guy's name uh Sun Yang is dead and then she asks him what about their father so we find out that Xiao Chen is his sister and he tells her that unfortunately their father is also dead and that after she fled China, um, he was killed by uh, Sun Yang. And, you know, she's mad, like, how dare you put that on me? And it's very clear that their relationship is, is strained. And apparently Sun Yang would have killed Assam years ago had she not agreed to marry him. And we find out that the relationship was not even remotely ideal. He beat her, uh, sexually assaulted her, and she finally just couldn't take it anymore and fled to America. And he says, well, you know, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, I'll try and fix it, but we can go home now. And she tells him she is home now, and her name is Mai Ling. And she sees that he's been branded by the Hopway, and she's, you know, furious that he's just, again, jumping into things without thinking, being a moron, and this is what caused almost all their problems to begin with. And she tells him to get out and just don't come back. So he goes back to the bar, and he's kind of drowning his sorrows. Uh, he finds Atoy there, and she says, yeah, I kind of suspected Myling and, and Jiao Chen were the same person, but I wasn't sure. He's, Assam decides he's going to try to go home, so he talks to Wang Chao, and Wang Chao tells him, boy, you're branded by the Hopway, no matter what else, you're, you're stuck here for now, like, that's it, you're here. This, this is your, this is your life now. Um... So he is just depressed, down in the dumps. Uh, a toy takes him upstairs, though, and to cheer him up, they wind up having sex. Uh, we also see that after this that uh, Mai Ling and the mayor's aide, Buckley, who we met earlier, are secretly working together to cause dissent between the Tongs to lead to all-out war so that they, two of them can assume power and kind of run the city secretly from the shadows. Um, Buckley, uh, in his 
seen previous to that was definitely kind of giving off the like the man behind the man vibes of yeah the mayor is the face of everything and he runs the city but buckley buckley's the real brain um and so it looks like the two of them are conspiring together to get the the tongs at each other's throats uh and the last thing we see is uh post sex scene that atoy has snuck off and puts herself in this like cloak and garb and the two Irish guys who murdered the Chinese are out at the bar stumbling home drunk as hell and she just butchers the two of them with a sword just slicing dices leaves them laying in ribbons and that's kind of where the episode cuts out um overall I thought this was great um it did suffer from what a lot of pilots suffer from in that it has to introduce you to all the big players and you know kind of tease all the storylines that are going to play out um uh we don't really get a sense of why buckley uh is looking to usurp the mayor or why yeah why my lang is also trying to you know cause the tongs to go at each other's throats um so there's you know it's, it has the usual pilot bloat problems but it i think in time will branch out into a lot of really fantastic storyline. The acting is great, the cinematography is great, um, the action sequences are very well done, um, the soundtrack is amazing. I love the little, there's just the small little touches like that, that wraparound where it switches from Chinese to English and stuff like that I think is uh, enough to make this show unique. Also the fact that it's a kind of a martial arts show is unique in and of itself. We don't really have too many of those on, on the airwaves especially since like into the badlands ended and that was the only other one i can think of um but i definitely love it you know i'm a sucker for bruce lee stuff so when i heard about this i was definitely interested um and it looks like it's not just all crash boom action you know ah there really looks like there's some complex and intricate storytelling going on here with some great performances and the writing is great the dialogue is very snappy some of the the jokes back and forth or insults hurled at other people are absolutely hilarious i like that opening scene with assam and the uh the three immigration guys um i'm intrigued as to where everything is going to go um it seems like everybody has a secret basically and and not in an annoying like oh god now now we have to figure out this character's like backstory or history or yada yada but it seems like everybody has a goal that they're working towards be it something that everyone knows about or something that they're trying to keep hidden and I'm I'm very interested to see how this plays out and especially I want to finish this season and, and I don't know when the second season is going to start airing but it's something I think that all um, martial arts uh, fans would get a kick out of I don't even think you necessarily have to be a fan of martial arts movies or TV or whatever to, to like this because of how well done the writing and, and storytelling is done uh, it's just a nice bonus um, oh, side note, I forgot. Uh, the Assam is played by Andrew Koji. Uh, and I had never heard of him up until this show, but he's also apparently going to be playing uh, Storm Shadow in the Snake Eyes movie, which is, that's a that's pretty big for him. That's, that's a big Hollywood role. I don't know if the Snake Eyes movie is, like, intended to be, like, a sequel? Or, um, yeah, Snake Eyes. A sequel to, like, the two G.I. movies that are already out? Or if this is like its own standalone, I don't know. I'm sure they'll announce more as we get closer. 
but it's nice to see him him get some some other big roles because I think he's a very talented actor. Um, and yeah, that's just my thoughts on Warrior. I think people would really get a kick out of that show. So this was my first solo episode in Martial Arts May. Uh, I think I'll try to have the next one up uh, a week from today, maybe a little bit later, depending on how my week schedules out. But I will also have my regular um, scheduled episode with a guest coming up soon to look forward to. Uh, let me know what you guys thought of the episode. You know, leave a comment. We are in uh, Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. Uh, you can follow the direct link here at Pinecast. Uh, but let me know what you think. And thanks, guys, and have a good one.